This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Well, hello. Uh, we're back at Bible study, or in Colossians, and uh, if you tune in to us regularly, uh, you know that we take this pretty slow. It's an in-depth study. We're trying to take you deeper in the Word of God to move you in from Christianity to being a disciple is our whole goal, and to give you the full counsel of God uh, so that you can stand firm in your faith and be strong and defend your faith, etc., etc. Now, this comes out every Wednesday, 4 o'clock, on our Facebook, um, uh, so on social media, Facebook, our Norco uh, one. But it's recorded, and you can watch it anytime after that. And also, YouTube, Norco YouTube channel, on uh, NBC's Norco YouTube, you can watch it from there on too anytime during the week. And many, most of you watch it on that. Uh, you can download it as a podcast. But any way you do it, just do it. Last about 20 minutes each study. You can share with people, tell people about it. But my heart is that you will grow to be hungry and love the Word of God because I do love it. And I've never found anything like it. So here we go. <clears throat> We're going to pick up in Colossians. We've been studying this whole new, um, this new person that Paul is writing to us that we're to put on. He's been telling us in the past that we leave off the old nature, we're a new creature in Christ, something that's never existed before is who we are when the Spirit of God comes to live in us. And the way we're renewed is a true knowledge of the one, Jesus Christ. So we're to grow in the Word of God. Because if you think right, you'll live right. And so we're to be transformed in our thinking and then apply God's Word into our life. And what we're really doing, like I said, um, I think a couple weeks ago, we're, we're trying to become what original human beings were actually like in the original day of creation. That's what Paul's pushing us towards. But sin came into the world and entered into one man and spread to all men, corrupted every one of us. So always remember, God formed you. Sin deformed you. We're all sinners. But Jesus comes along and he reforms you. God formed you. Sin deformed you. And Jesus reforms you. So we're going to jump right in again and pick up where we left off and putting on the new, new self. Now, I'm going to read Colossians 3.12 uh, because I didn't finish the last statement in Colossians 3.12 last week. It says, So as those who have been chosen of God, <clears throat> holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. So we didn't talk about patience per se last week. So we're to put on patience. Now, I know we hate that word. <laughs> Let me tell you something about patience. Don't pray for it because if you pray for patience, you're going to get trials. You're going to get problems because it's problems and trials that develop patience in a person's life. Think of all the, the tough uh, seasons of life how it's softened us up, how it's changed us. Well, if we get softened according to the Word of God through these situations, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Now, patience. You know what it means? Long-tempered, which is the opposite of short-tempered. <laughs> so, as we grow in Jesus Christ, guess what? We're not as easily provoked as we used to be. We don't react to drivers who cut in front of us and on the freeway or whatever, thinking they did that on purpose. Yeah, because, you know, they don't even know you, but they spent all last night thinking about, how can I meet you at this moment in time on Imperial Highway off-ramp on the 91? Because you're going to be driving by there at that time. Give, come, give me a break. Uh, 
That's when you think the world revolves around you. Nobody's doing it on purpose. They got their own problems in life. So you're not gonna get all bent out of shape when somebody cuts in front of you. <clears throat> you're not gonna wanna retaliate if somebody honks at you. You're not gonna sit there when the car in front of you and the light turns green and they don't move within one one hundred thousandths of a second and you gotta honk your horn because they're not moving fast enough. You won't do that. See, what the Bible teaches is this. Love is patient. First Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. What does that mean? It means love will endure. It'll endure a long time without getting irritated or angry. How fast do you get irritated? You know, irritation is a form of anger. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. How fast do you get irritated? How fast do, do people just bug you? That did, if you just focus on that for the next month and watched yourself, you'd learn a lot about yourself. Now, let's think about God's patience. It says of God in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. We think He's moving too slow. No, He's not. He's moving at His speed, the right speed. But He's patient toward you and me not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, what's this talking about? Well, God is a patient God who's been waiting years and centuries and millenniums before He brings judgment upon earth and upon mankind for mankind's sins. Think about that. If you've been saved in the last 10 years, aren't you glad God waited for you to be saved? Of course you are. I was saved in 1979. I'm sure glad he didn't come in judgment in 78. <laughs> I'm glad he was patient. Now take that truth, the reality of that verse, and now apply it. Think of how often we get impatient with people. Well, I've given them 10 minutes to change. <laughs> or it's been six months. Really? <laughs> Can you imagine God's patience? We get short-tempered so fast. The, per, the clerk behind the counter. How many of you get irritated with them and they're just following rules that have been given to them? You know what I do? I just tell, When I go to a, a, a counter and I'm asked is something I want to change or this and that, I go, look, I know you have to follow the rules. So it's not you. But look, this isn't right. This And I just apply it that way. But I don't sit there and make that person the enemy. You know, you make that person the enemy, you're blowing up and then they see you next Sunday in church. They show up to church for the first time and you're there going, oh, praise the Lord. And they're like, that's the person that got so mad at me and irritated at the Coles counter. <laughs> you don't want to be that way. The new you is supposed to be long-tempered. Now, the next thing Paul says is forbearance slash bearing with one another. Now, Colossians 3.13 says this, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just. Now, we're here's the just as. I love the just as in the New Testament. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Oh, those just as. I hate when they put those just as in there because that means I got to live just as Jesus did. <laughs> Forbearance. What does it mean? To hold up or to hold back. You know what the idea is? You could put up with a lot of stuff. You could hold firm. You don't have to get irritated, angry, 
storm off, leave, cut them off, whatever, you could put up with a lot of stuff. Because God puts up a lot with you. Now you may be thinking, <laughs> well, I don't like putting up with other people's stuff. <laughs> Here we go. You know what the first problem is? Um, you don't realize that everybody else has to put up with you and your stuff. See, it's, you're so self-centered. You, you think everybody else got problems. No, they have to put up with you too. Trust me, you got stuff. You got issues, you got baggage. And anyone that sticks around you has to have forbearance to be able to put up with you. That's a fact. <laughs> Hopefully I just opened your eyes. But that's the first problem. The second problem is this. <clears throat> Obviously, you just need to develop patience and love. <laughs> Look, <clears throat> If you don't develop, if I don't develop patience and love, I'm going to walk through life thinking everybody else is the problem. If you walk through life thinking everybody else is the problem, you might just be a person that moves from one relationship to the next relationship to the next one because it's always them. And the problem is you're the common denominator in every relationship that doesn't last. Now, I am a Seinfeld fan. I love, I love Seinfeld. I could quote those things left and right. My wife and I can. We quote them to each other. And I love talking to other Seinfeld fans because we can quote the lines to each other. I know the episodes. I know them very well. But here's one of the interesting mm, things about the show that's just chronic. That group of people in that show, they find a flaw in whomever they are dating. Every one of them does, and they always find the flaw. They look for it, and when they find the flaw, and it's not even a flaw sometimes, it's like a nothing, and then it gives them grounds to end the relationship. But what's obvious to all of us who watch those shows is this. It's not the people that they think are flawed that are flawed. It's it's the people in the main characters in the show. They're the flawed ones. <laughs> they, they have so many flaws, but they think it's everybody else. Everyone has to bear and put up with them, but they don't want to put up and bear with anybody else. So they go from one relationship to the next one, break this one, go to the next one, break this one, go to the next one. Let me tell you something. It's funny, and it works in a sitcom, but it sure don't work in real life. Uh-uh. We're to put up with. Because people put up with us. We're to be like Jesus. He puts up with a lot of us in so many ways. And we're to put up with other people. Forbearance. Now, the next thing is this. We're to forgive the way Christ has forgiven us. That's that just as. I'm supposed to forgive just as. Oh, that. oh just as. You know, we participate in such a magnificent faith. We've got the best message on the planet. And then we take it and we putrefy it and make it so puny by not forgiving other people. You know what we do? We become masters at convincing ourselves why we don't need to forgive them and we can hold on to our grudge and bitterness. Shut up. <laughs> We're to forgive just as Jesus forgave us. Now I'm going to take you in a Jesus story. Because Jesus stories are... Um, um, impacting. In Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to read this, I'm going to read you 14 verses. It's a great story. Then I'm going to give 
give commentary after I've read it. Does that work good? So Matthew chapter 18, if you have a Bible, oops, turn there. And um, it's a familiar story. Now here we go. Okay, listen to the story. Read 14 verses. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? It's a legitimate question. How, how often do I need to forgive the people that sin against me? And Peter goes, up to seven times? Well, he's patting his stats because the rabbis and stuff, they forgive like three or four times. He goes, up to seven? He's making himself sound good. <laughs> Jesus is going to lay into him, man. Um, Jesus said to him, <clears throat> I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, before you stop and start doing your, your multiplication, that's 490. So at 490, I've done forgiving. That's not what he's talking about. He's using hyperbole to say, you just keep forgiving. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. He's going to give the story now. Who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have mean, the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Wow. Along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell on the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, he's telling the king, have patience with me and I'll repay you everything. First off, in prison, you can't pay everything. In prison. You're done. And the Lord of that slave Felt compassion. We talked about that last time. Remember compassion? You're gutted. You feel for people. It moves beyond sympathy. Sympathy just feels bad for people. Compassion moves to action. He felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Wow. But that slave who's just been forgiven all this stuff went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me, I'll repay you. Same situation, different players. Now the shoe's on the other foot. It says, but, he's but he was unwilling. And went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what it was owed. Can you pay anything back in prison? No, it's a done deal. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave. They bring him to the king. The king's heard all about it. All the testimony came out. You wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger. Now there's a different movement. It used to be compassion. Now it's anger. Handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father, Jesus closes the story saying, will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Okay. What's going on here? It's a great story. <clears throat> And Jesus will use a little bit of exaggeration to prove a point. And he does. Jesus uses hyperbole. He does. He uses it brilliantly. The first man begs for patience. I'll pay the debt. I'll, I'll do that. He, it's impossible. He owes 10,000 talents to the king. The king says, oh, I'll forgive you. And he forgives the man. 
This man turns around and finds somebody who owes him 100 denarii. And that guy pleads the same way this man pleaded with the king, but the guy says, no, I'm not going to forgive you anything. You pay everything. In fact, we're going to throw you in prison until you pay every last cent. Hmm. You know what's interesting? Forgiveness is a great idea until you have to forgive someone, huh? We love to be forgiven, and it's a great idea until you and I have to forgive someone else. This man has been forgiven, and it's a great idea until you got to forgive somebody else, and now he don't like it. Well, the king hears the testimony. He brings the man in. He says, I forgave you 10,000 talents. You know what that's the equivalent of in that day? 200,000 years worth of wages. Not 2,000, not 200. 200,000 years worth of wages is 10,000 talents. That's what the guy's been forgiven. He said, you turn around, I forgive you. You turn around and you find some guy that owes you 100 denarii, that's 100 days worth of wages. And you can't forgive that guy? The king can't believe it. And Jesus is emphasizing the point that we've been forgiven so much in our life. Think of how many sins we have, we have committed against God. And he's forgiven us, every one of them. And then we turn around in our puny faith and we can't forgive somebody. It's sinned against us. You know what's the scary part? Jesus says the king handed him over to the torturers. Isn't unforgiveness torture? Oh, we think we're torturing the other person. <laughs> You're kidding yourself. When you have unforgiveness and you cut people off and you're, I'm not talking to them and I'm not forgiving them or however you say it or thinking it, you've drank poison and you think the other person's going to die. No, you're the one dying. You're the one who's tortured on the inside. You're the one who goes to sleep thinking about what you don't like about them. You're the one. And there's no healing in that. There's no healing in that. It's a poison to our soul. Just forgive. Put on forgiveness. Now moving on. The next one is love. In love. Now, back to Colossians <clears throat> chapter 3. We're to put on a heart of love. And in chapter 3 of Colossians, in verse 14, he says, Beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. Hmm. Why <clears throat> is love attached to forgiveness? Because they're attached there, if you think about it. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 and 5 says, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. What does that mean? It means um, that true love, when you love people, it doesn't store up the memory of any wrong that it's received. You don't walk around replaying and rehearsing the wrongs that people have, you perceive have done to you, whether it's true or not. See, love forgives and love lets go. When it says, and this is your last thought for today, when it says that God forgives our sins, and you can look this up, Hebrews 10, 17, God forgives our sins and remembers them no more. It means that he'll never bring them up again. He doesn't store up the memory of them. 
He doesn't replay them in his head. He doesn't do it. He just lets it go. He just lets it go. He'll never bring it up again. Let me tell you what that is. That's healthy. That's what an original human being was like. And that's the way we're to live. You will be set free if you live that way. If you choose not to, you're going to get handed over to the tortures. And you're the one who's going to pay the price as it erodes your soul and your spirit. Be free, my friend. Be free. Forgive. Let it go. Well, we're going to pause there. It's been good talking to you. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.